0: Back on like what God has been doing over this last year, I had to have a box of tissues there for me because it was like oh, God's so good. All these people family, people who've faces that have turned into family members. Uh, you know, didn't the band do a great job today? Can we give them a hand? The the video team just knocked it out of the. I mean, that's just a wonderful testimony of what God's doing. And the behind the scenes folks, of you guys setting up all this and, and helping us get prepared for worship every day, can we give them a hand? Um, God has just been really moving. You know, I mentioned I mentioned uh, on the video that God has, you know, from the, the launch day moved us to, you know, 50 with kids. It's not all about numbers, but now we're over three times that, which is always funny to think about because in a church startup world, you know, 150 folks whatever, never show up on a given Sunday. I mean, on a church startup world, like, you just kind of erratic, but, but to think about how God's moving and bringing us together, um, to think about the five baptisms that we had on Easter uh with all the faith decisions for Christ that have happened over this last year, new leaders coming on board, the outreaches we've been doing, the service projects, help working with Freedom House, a ministry or organization, helping combat uh, human trafficking in the area, working with their gala, getting uh, some of their survivors Christmas gifts, uh, disaster relief um, war, in the community, and wine festival last weekend, the, the block party, all these pub trivias, All these things that have been happening in one short year, it's really exciting. So today, if there's anything we're doing today, it's thanking the Lord because it's as we've been saying from the very beginning, unless God builds his church, the workers labor in vain. And so today is a day of celebrating what God has been doing and joyfully and expectantly looking ahead, not just to next year, but in the years to come to see what he's getting ready to do. I'm, I'm so excited to uh, look at the text, uh, w- uh, continue the sermon series today. Uh, we, are looking at a, we are going through a series called This is Family, uh, talking about the local church. We are family. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts uh, 4. Um, we're going to get there in a minute. But first, uh, let, me, let me say a prayer. Father, today is about you. Uh, it's always about you. Today is about celebrating and giving you uh, praise, glory, recognition, that you're the one behind all of this. And any good that's come out of current relationships, uh, uh, restored, um, uh, struggles overcome, um, any number of things, uh, uh, people's uh, health coming, uh, even miraculously, uh, anything that's been good uh, that comes out of uh, this church is your doing. And so we thank you, we praise you, and we thank you so much for the humbling, Privilege to be a small part of what you're doing in the Bay Area in the Silicon Valley, and I just want to take time right now to say that it's not all about current. There's other churches in this area, uh, one even starting today down uh, in uh, down in uh, San Jose, and just other churches just kind of coming up, and other churches who've been here. Lord, we pray your hand of blessing on them. Would you let the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, get out in the Silicon Valley. Would you help us be a blessing? Would you help the church, and church is, be known for being a blessing, loving, serving others? Thank you for this ride. Thank you for this journey. Please bless each woman and man here today. Uh, we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Acts 4, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 23 through 31, I think. Um, last week, we, we started our This Is Family s- series by talking about this thought. We need one another. God gives the local church. And for for building each other up and we need others and others need us wherever you're gifted, wherever, however, uh, wherever you're coming at in terms of life uh, uh, circumstances or whatever, we need you. Others need you and we're coming together. We're building each other up. Well, today we're talking about uh, God invites us as a family to live with purpose, to live with purpose. And here's why I think this is so important. Uh, it seems to me that the default human tendency is become inward focused uh, that we just kind of become focused on our own set relationships uh, churches certainly do this uh, but family groups webs of relationships we tend to become more inward focused and i, and I think this is especially true when uh, times become uh, a bit of a struggle we just kind of want to lick our own wounds we kind of want to be around people uh, who, who know us. We don't have to explain other things to. Uh, last week, God wants us and, and, and calls us to be there for each other, build each other up, suffer when parts of the body suffer, rejoice when parts of the, the body are honored, but it cannot remain just there. In this, is, in, in this family, we cannot just be about taking care of our own needs, but there, it's a means towards, another, uh, to, towards an end, and that is outward focus that is looking to and caring for and loving and serving others around us and as others come into us. And we've got to fight vigilantly. Even, even as we've started this church, and that's like the main thing we've been about, we've got to fight vigilantly to keep that, to remain that. And so I want to look at a text today that talks about this. It shows this in the, the, in the early church. In fact, in the first few weeks, uh, first few days, first few months of the early church, And so we're going to look at um, Acts 4, verses 23 through 31. And the first verse says this. On on their release, Peter and John went back to their their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Okay, so there's so much going on here. We kind of got to unpack it and uh, first, of course, understand the context. So Peter and John were leaders in this early church, okay? Jesus had, at the beginning of of Acts and the end of the Gospel accounts, the biographies of Jesus in the Bible, had lived his life, died on the cross, been raised to life, and he had ascended to heaven saying, okay, my followers, my disciples, you are the church. And Peter and John were kind of some of those main leaders in the early days. And uh, what what were they being released from? Uh, They had been put into jail. And their crime was healing, was helping a lame man, a poor man. Uh, at the beginning of chapter three, we're, we're told this story. Peter and John are walking to a, a church gathering. Actually, it says that uh, they were going to a time of prayer and they come across a guy who was lame and who was poor out there begging for money. And it says that they came across him, and they stopped what they were doing and they looked straight at him. Which let me pause for a quick second and, and think about that with you for a second. Um, this was already signs of the church having this revolutionary, outward-focused love because what John and Peter were doing in this moment as they stopped to stare at this man, to t- consider him personally intimate, being a lame man, being a beggar, was revolutionary. They were following in the footsteps of their master. They were following in the footsteps of Jesus who came loving the poor, helping the diseased, this was revolutionary. We we take this a bit for granted, I believe, here in the in the twenty first century, um, America. It the poor, the crippled, the diseased were not treated well back then. They weren't even considered second class. They if if they had a disease, if they had, if they were poor, it was they were they were considered by society at large that the gods were upset with them, that they were cursed, and therefore they were despised. They had no dignity in that society, and yet Jesus came spending a lot of his time with them, a lot of the time with poor, and then he said crazy things like, blessed are the poor. Everybody's like, what are you saying, Jesus? Blessed are the poor? Don't you know who the poor are? Don't you know how the guys, how the divine is upset with them? Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Taking it a step further, say, you know what? The poor even have a bit of an advantage, spiritually speaking. Because they understand, they have a disposition that leads them more to the place of saying, you know what, I don't have my act altogether. Which Jesus was trying to say Rich to the rich or poor. He's actually said, blessed are the poor. And so here Peter and John come. They look at this man. They, they just like Jesus, and all the stories about Jesus, they stop, they look at him, and they focus their personal, intimate attention on this man. The other thing I think is really fun about this is they weren't going to let a church service, a church gathering, stop them from loving this guy. Um, these guys were probably <laughs> leaders in the church, probably organizing this prayer event, but they weren't going to stop. They weren't going to let that bother them. They were going to love on this guy. Um, and what it says to them, so he's, they stop and they, they look at this man. And chapter 3, verse 6 says, uh, Peter says, uh, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, what, what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Walk. And it says the lame man uh, jumped to his feet, and he went walking, and leaping, and praising God. And uh, the people uh, were all gathered around. It was kind of in this this busy hubbub of an area. Uh, they started to collect around Peter and John, thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is amazing!" They were astonished at that. And so there's this group collecting, trying to figure out what's going on. And we're told that the man was 40 years, over 40 years old. He'd been lame for a long time. All the people, they knew him. They saw him running around. They, they couldn't connect the dots, and so they kind of are gathering around Peter, and Peter being the budding preacher he is, is like, oh, I'm going to preach a sermon. I'm going to tell them about Jesus, and here's essentially the point of what he says. Guys, you're coming to us. You think Peter, you, excuse me, you think my buddy John, you think I am, have something special about us? We don't, What's happening here is this man was healed by the same power that God used to heal and raise Jesus to life. Turn to Jesus. The people were amazed. They were listening to these words. They were taking it in. But the religious leaders, go figure, were ticked off. They didn't like this movement that was happening. And what it says in Acts 4, verses 2 and 3, they were were greatly disturbed because the apostles, that's the disciples, Peter and John, were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. That next day, they brought brought Peter and John before the religious committee. And it's interesting, it notes off who was there at the time. And it's the same people who were behind the killing of Jesus. Interesting note, kind of lodge that in the back of our, our minds here as we move forward. But they bring Peter and John forward, and they say, by what authority are you healing this? Did you heal this guy? By what name? And I love how Peter basically responds. He's like, guys, can we cut cut the garbage? I mean, here's what he says, verse verse 9. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ that this man was healed. The religious leaders weren't having any of that Uh, It says in verse 13 and 17 that they they ordered Peter and John. They warned them to stop talking. Verse 18, they commanded them to stop talking about Jesus and doing all these things. And then in verse 21, it says, after further threats, they let Peter and John go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. And so as we come to the text we're looking at today, we see that there has now been this monumental shift in the life of the church, in the history of the church, and that is this, they are facing persecution. Their lives are in danger. They are being threatened by the same people who killed Jesus for the same movement that they represent that of who they are. And in fact, in about a chapter from this time, which not long at all, they are actually being, the early church, killed. They're being, they're being sent out. If you know your history, you know that to be the case as well. So they're facing persecution. They're facing threats, death threats, their families are in danger, and here's where we pick up the text today. So on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, which I love that, their own people. Who's their own people? Their church family. You know, we're told that Peter actually was married, probably had some kids. Uh, I like to believe that Uh, You know, his wife and kids were a part of that family gathering. But that's not the emphasis here. Where do they go upon release? They go to their own, they go to their church family. And reported, uh, uh, go to their own people and and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. In other words, you guys need to know, it's getting heated out there. When they heard this, that is the church, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now let me pause and ask you this question. If you were that church, if you put yourself in their shoes, how would you be praying in this moment? How would you be praying with death threats hanging over you? How would you be praying in a moment where it looks like things are starting to get really scary? Uh, Here's how they pray. They raise their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one? Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Here's how these guys are praying. It's, it's amazing they're facing death threats, and they're giving God praise. Do you hear that? They're saying, God, you're sovereign. You're in control. You've got this. You're the God of history. You're the God of revelation. You've known about this, this was gonna happen. They're giving God praise, which is so fascinating because here's how I would have been tempted to pray in that moment. God, where are you? If you're in control, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? It, did it slip by you? Do you even care? I mean, I don't, you, you hear what I'm saying? It's like they're facing death threats. And, and they're, they're not saying, God, where are you? God, you might not, you, you're not even there if you're allowing this to happen to your church. They're not saying anything. They're saying, God, we give you praise, first of all. And there's five verses, there are about five sentences here of seven verses, of seven sentences of prayer. And the vast majority are what I just read. And that is, they're saying, God, we give you praise you're in control. And then they get to their request. And then they get to say, okay, here's, here's okay. we'll give you praise, God. You're sovereign. You're in control. Okay, here's, here's our petition to you. And again, let me ask you, how would you be praying in this moment with death threats hanging over you with your lives at risk? Here's how they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This just gets my juices flowing. I, I, I love this early church, because the, their heart, their passion, what they're doing is, they are looking, they are looking outward. They are focusing on others. They are looking to love, serve, and be outward focused. Here's essentially how they're praying. God, consider their threats, meaning we're not going to just pretend that they're not there. We're not going to sweep them under a rug. We know that they're there. You know that they're there. But you know, if this act of kindness that Peter and John performed, that they provided for for that man, led to people coming to hear about Jesus, led to people being hearing more about your love for them. If 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 it's going to bring us persecution, if it's going to bring death threats for us to face these things, then God bring them on. And I'm just saying I just if there's anything we want to be about as a church here at Current, it's this. It's saying, "Lord, we just want to follow you to be a blessing, to love, and to serve others." Now, we might not face the the scary things that they faced back then. We might not face persecution like the early church faced or that a lot of Christians around the world are currently facing right now. We might not face those things, but we do face what lies underneath where they could have gone here, and that is gone to the inward focus of saying, God, make it stop. You know what's interesting is they don't even pray. Take out the leaders. I like think that's what I would pray. Like, hey, would you prevent them from hurting us? They don't even say that. You know, it, you, you'd want to be, be tempted to pray. It's like, hey, you know, destroy them. But if you're, you know, if you're a good Christian, you know Jesus said love your enemies. You wouldn't say that. you said, just take them out safely in love. Uh, they don't say any of that. They don't say take care of us. They say, God, if this is your will, bring it on. And we want to, even when it gets inconvenient, even when it gets uncomfortable, even when potentially it gets dangerous, we want to love others, put them, First, put others first. It seems to me no wonder that the ground shook that day. It seems to me no wonder that the the ground shook that day because God was saying, this is where I put my stamp of approval. He's saying, they're facing death threats. Their lives are in danger. Some of them are going to even lose their lives, and they're praying for the well-being of others. They're praying to share about the love I have for others. These are my children. This is what we want to be about here at this church. Um, and there's no small reason for why God was saying, you know what, if I'm going to put my stamp of approval on something, it's this. And that's because this is what God has done had, had done for them. This is what God had, had, does for us, has done for us in Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. Jesus came to live among us, and he was building up his people, and at the same time, every waking moment, every breath of a moment, he was living for the good of others. When it was inconvenient for him, when it was uncomfortable for him, when people judged him for the people he was hanging out with, when it was at risk of his life, and when it ultimately cost his life, Jesus gave himself, he gave his life that we might have life. And the great news for us today is we don't get to just receive that, we get to extend that love to others. What are our Prayer requests here as a church. The same two prayer requests as these guys prayed back then. It says they prayed, stretch out your hand, verse 30, and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy your, your holy servant Jesus. Keep doing the things that are bringing people to interest and, and, and to, to, to hear more about you, God. And then verse 29, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. We want to do acts of kindness. We want to love. We want to serve others. And, yes, we want to boldly, faithfully tell people, tell you about Jesus. Full disclosure, we want nothing more than people to put their faith in Jesus. But we are uninterested and we will not go to the place of saying, we're going to force it upon you. Or do a drive-by guilting. Or, you know, throw in a little bit of a moral judgment. Find our little soapbox. What we want to do is say, taste and see that God is good. The central vision of what we're about here at Current is to focus on Jesus and do our best to get out of the way. We want to r- lift up Jesus and extend him boldly but graciously and say, What do you think? Will you receive him? Um, the last two weekends, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, officiate. Uh, uh, two weddings, which were so much fun, one in uh, upstate New York, another in Fremont, um, and it was really cool, was because I was wearing my uh, pastor hat, my officiating hat, people kind of identified me as pastor, and they'd want to know about my story, and that would quickly lead to, uh, hey, you know, tell me about this church startup you're a part of, and and I, I lost track, I, I, I counted, there's about a handful of conversations that all ab- went to this point I'm about to explain to you, and at some point, they would, they would, in, in hearing a little about the story, they'd ask this question. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, you're starting a church, and uh, it's it's growing. Yeah, and uh, do you have like a sending church, like a mother church? It's like, well, no. Uh, we, you know, others have come alongside, but no. Okay, okay. Uh, do you have like a, uh, you know, a mother organization or denomination? Is that the word? I, no. Okay. Uh, you're in the Silicon Valley, where it's not very receptive to Christianity. Yeah. And they'd say. How, how in the world is that working? Four times at least I had this conversation, and my heart was moved to the place it's moved right now, even though I'm sharing the story with you, and that is, you know what, in re- each, each one of those cases I said, you know what, there's things that I can point to along the timeline of, you know, God brought some churches, some people alongside us to help in these ways and in these areas, God brought people, just the right timing with the right skill set and this facility is just like way more than we ever thought we'd even were shooting for. And it just kind of like plopped in our lap. Fun story behind. It. I can point to all these different things. I can point to all these different things. But what I have to say to you is I have to go spiritual and say, it is nothing other than God moving. And in each of those conversations, with by the way, people where you know church is not their, their normal thing, each one of those conversations, people are like, Yeah. And in each one of those conversations, they say, well, how does that work? And I got to say, oh, man, this is, <laughs> what are we about? We live in a place where it's now 4% Christian. Did you know that? The Silicon Valley right here is 4% um, Christian, according to certain uh, surveys. Um, and the reasons, the top three reasons people are rejecting Christianity are reasons of hypocrisy, self-righteousness, and judgmentalism. You look at the surveys, that'll it'll show it to you. Um, you have conversations on the, on, the, on the blocks. People will tell it to you. I'm sure many of you will actually say that that's the case in your own life. People are rejecting Christianity, wanting less to do with the church to begin with or leaving the church in greater numbers. The Bay Area is now the most, what they call, unchurched and dechurched part of the US, rejecting the church for those, because of hypocrisy, self-righteousness, and judgmentalism. In other words, people are rejecting Christianity because of Christians. Perceived or otherwise. But we look at the scriptures, and we see Jesus talking very powerfully into these three things. Don't you dare judge. Don't you dare judge. I have every right to judge you, but I'm not going to judge you. Actually, I'm going to teach you not to judge. So my followers do not judge. In fact, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is Jesus bore our judgment on our behalf. And so I'm sharing these things. If you've been around for a while, you've, chances are you've heard that. I'm sharing these things. And then, you know, this is so fun. In those conversations, folks are like, man, if I'm ever in the area, I want to come. And I said, come. You know, in upstate New York, I'm like, hey, move out, or whatever. Um, I laughed about it last week. There was a wedding in Fremont. And uh, it was like a destination wedding. There's people coming from uh, the, the groom's families coming from Hawaii. I'm like, is that a reverse destination wedding? Like, how does that work? Um, And, you know, having a wonderful conversation saying, oh man, next time. And I'm saying, come. And here's why I'm telling these stories. God is moving. I hear those stories. I hear those responses. And that's nothing but God stirring in people's hearts. Because, maybe this is you, people have had some pretty bad tastes towards Christianity, but Jesus is amazing. His teachings. We want to be faithful to them. Follow after him. Present them clearly, but not get up on our soapbox. We want to present them and God is moving. This is so exciting to me. We, our, our mission, our vision, is to be an outward-focused church, outward-facing. But we gotta, we got to vigilantly fight to protect that because the natural tendency is to start moving inward. But to the extent we can, lifting up Jesus here in this place, of course, in our workplaces, in the community, in our neighborhoods, at our schools, but also alongside acts of love, grace, kindness, mercies, taking care of people, society doesn't take care, all those sorts of things. And I would just say, if you've been here for the last however length of time, uh, today is about saying thank you, Lord, for doing this, for allowing us to be a part of this. Today is about thanking God. Would you join me in thanking God? And if you're here checking it out today, or you've been checking out for a little bit, to you I'd say the water's warm. Jump in. Let's pray. Father, today is about you. This is so fun to just kind of reflect that the things we're doing here is not just going through motions, not just, uh, hey, this is fun to kind of see each other. We, we enjoy that. We really want to uh, uh, pour into each other, build each other up, as we talked about uh, exclusively last Sunday. But but the where we want to head, Father, is, is to be a light, to be a city on a hill, to borrow from another scripture text, to love and bless and serve those around us in this greater community. Would you help us towards that? Would you help us fight the natural tendency to become inward focused? Would you help us in that? Would you forgive us when we do that, when there's people among us that are hurting and we miss it because we just miss it? But thank you, God, that you see us. You see our hearts. You see where we're at. You're chasing after us wherever we're at spiritually. You're drawing us to you. And nothing can get in the way of that when, you, when you're at it. Thank you for this year of what you've been doing. Lord, would you move in even more powerful ways in this year to come. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.